0: This morning we're going to read from John chapter 11 and um, I'm going to have to alter this a little bit because my plan this morning was actually to read the entire chapter. If you're new here, you're like, what's the big deal? If you're not new here, you're like, what? You're going to keep us here all day? No, no. We were going to get through this whole chapter. We're going to talk about Lazarus lessons um, this morning, and and I'm actually kind of excited about it. In our household, uh, we actually talk about sleep a lot. I don't know if y'all talk about sleep a lot in your household, but we talk about sleep a lot. Like my kids, they say, Dad, you sleep all the time. You know, y- y'all maybe heard me say we do family movie nights once a week, and whenever we do, no matter what the movie, no matter what like, happened that day or whatever, like, dad is falling asleep. I will be asleep pretty quickly and really throughout the whole movie. And, and, and we talk about sleep a lot. We talk about bedtimes a lot. That seems to be a conversation that, even though it's set and it happens every night, you know, that they still want to talk about sleep and when the bedtime needs to be. And we stay firm with our bedtimes. My kids are in here, so. <laughs> um, but, but we talk about sleep a lot. We talk about sleep after church. After church, you know, usually mom and dad are taking a nap. So kids, figure it out. Don't leave the house. But, you know, fend for yourselves for a couple hours because we need some sleep, right? Sleep is a subject that comes up in our house a lot. And, you know, one of the things that, that we've learned as parents is uh, sleep doesn't mean the same thing to me and my wife that it means to our kids, like we just just recently this weekend this weekend's been a wild weekend um our 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 one of our sons played two basketball games yesterday and it was his first time playing games in a long time so he was exhausted. Our other son, he went to like a two-day birthday party. I don't know if I've ever heard of a two-day birthday party, but it was like two days of like non-stop. And then and then our little girl, like she has to just go along with the brothers and the family and she stayed up late one night and woke up early. And so so even last night we were me and my wife recognized that sleep was something that was important that was needed. Like they needed to go to bed early and they needed sleep. But to them, sleep was something different. Sleep was, oh no, I get to, I don't, I miss something. I'm getting cheated. No, I don't wanna go to bed early. They say they didn't wanna go to bed early and then by the time I put them in their bed and walked out of the room, they were already snoring. Right. But we recognize that sleep meant something different to us than it did to them. We're going to see that Jesus actually uh, sees sleep in a little different way than than we do as well. John chapter 11. Let me let me try to get through this. This is a story of Lazarus and, and we're introduced to Lazarus in the beginning as uh, the, the brother of Mary and Martha. There's a little um, um, reminder of who Mary is and a story that we've learned about her previously. And Mary and Martha, they are they, their brother is ill, Lazarus is ill, so they send to Jesus in verse three and they say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love is ill. Now, now this is really good, and, and again, I'm gonna have to move fast, but, but they have a problem. Their, their brother is sick and he's very sick. Um, spoiler alert, if you don't know the story, he's gonna die. Like he's really sick. And so, what they do is they take their concern, they take their prayer request, they take their fear, their pain. Where do they take it? They take it to Jesus. And as simple as that is, as Christians, we must never forget. That yes, it's good for other people to pray for you. And we're gonna talk about that. It's good for other people to support you. It's good to share your prayer requests. But when you have pain, when you have fear, um, when you have sickness, when you have lack, you first of all need to take it to Jesus. In verse four, it says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness, he's not talking about all illnesses. He's saying this one, this particular illness does not lead to death. Even though, spoiler alert, it was fatal. Jesus is saying, this particular illness doesn't lead to death. This particular illness has a purpose because everything has a purpose. See, sometimes we just think the good things have the purpose, or our jobs are our purpose, or our families are our purpose, but everything has purpose. This illness doesn't lead to death. It is for, here's the the purpose of this particular illness, It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, let me pause right here, and and I'm going to jump ahead, but we're going to come back. So if if you don't know this story, here's the spoiler alert. Lazarus dies. um, Jesus is going to visit him, and then Lazarus is going to be raised back to life. Most most Christians have heard this story. Um, and, And let me say this. God still raises people from the dead. And 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 I know like eternally, and we're going to talk about that. But I'm talking about like people die here on the earth, and then they come back to life here on the earth. there are so many examples. We actually um, saw God do this back at our our church in Atlanta many many years ago. There was a man. I'm not even sure if you you knew this, Pastor Priscilla, because I'm not sure when exactly it happened. If we were. Together or not together, but but there was a man that was singing in our choir back when we, uh, church had a choir, and and he passed out during service, and they kind of rushed him out to the lobby, um, called nine one one. The paramedics got there, and and when the paramedics got there, he had no pulse, um, he wasn't breathing, he he was dead, and it was only uh, like uh, the way I remember it, it was like within a matter of minutes, and it wasn't the paramedics that brought him back to life. There was people surrounding him praying, and he came back to life. And the way I remember it was a few weeks later, he was back in the choir singing again. God still resurrects us. He still has the power and the ability to literally bring people back from the dead. Why? Because he has all power, because he has defeated death. So there is no enemy, nothing that can, that can stand against him and prevail, even earthly death. Uh, we talked about this uh, several months ago. There's a book. Um, oh, wow, I just drew a blank on the book uh, about heaven. And it's, and it's all these different encounters of people who died and God brought them back to life. I mean, multiple. Imagine heaven, that's right. Imagine heaven. Um, so so we've, we've been through that. We know that God absolutely, positively has the ability and still will resurrect people from the dead. Now, Remember, this particular illness is for the glory of God. So in this story, he's going to tell us a story of Lazarus being resurrected, but that doesn't mean that every person who who has a fatal illness, God resurrects physically and naturally here in this dispensation, in this time. God is able to do it. Oftentimes, this will be what the Bible calls special faith. Or, or or apart from what the bible like like this special circumstance often that is connected to purpose that is much greater than that very moment now, there's a lot of um, um, teaching and, and perspective on all of that. And let me, let me just say this really quickly, and I'm, I got to move on, is God doesn't need um, more angels. He doesn't need your auntie. He doesn't need, you know, your cousin. He doesn't, he doesn't need them in heaven um, to fulfill heaven. Heaven is perfect, <laughs> right? So, so God's not taking people. And he doesn't need more angels or or whatever those things are. I get it, that's comforting, but that's not Bible. This illness is for the glory of God. And so now it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. (laughs) This is ridiculous. It's not just saying Jesus loved them However, he stayed longer. It says Jesus loved him, so he stayed longer. He stayed away from them longer. Now, we're gonna read in just a moment that both of the sisters say to Jesus, Jesus, if you would've just been here, he wouldn't have died. This wouldn't have happened if you would've just been here. And this tells us that Jesus loved them so he wasn't there. I'm telling you, if you slow down and read the Bible, it will mess with your theology. Jesus stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he said to the, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now the disciples are gonna take a little turn with this. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you gonna go there again? Jesus said, let us go there. And they're like, Jesus, you, and they're, Jesus you're gonna go there again? Like they're not saying we're gonna go there again. They're like, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, hey, let's go. And they're like, Jesus, you're going back there? Cause like, I ain't going back there. <laughs> You, like they just tried to stone you and you, you want to, you, you, I'm not, wh- what? Jesus says in verse nine, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Oh God, man, I don't have any time, but this is so good. They're asking about stoning and Jesus is talking about Stumbling. Jesus does this repeatedly, not just in the scriptures, but in our prayers. Y'all ever prayed about something and like, you don't, you get nothing about that, but you start to like, God, what are you talking about over here? Like, no, no, no. I'm not talking about stumbling. I'm talking about stoning. God, we don't want to get stoned. You're talking about what? Like Jesus does this all the time, like all the time. It's like, Jesus, did you hear the question? Yes, he heard the question and he's saying, listen, you're you're worried about one thing and I'm worried about something else. He says, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, Jesus is saying a lot in this. He's saying that, that light is not just about daytime and nighttime. He's using that as a metaphor. He's using that to prove a point. He's saying, listen, when you're in God, when you're following Jesus, you're walking in the light and you won't stumble over things that you would have otherwise stumbled over had it been dark, had it been nighttime. At nighttime, you stumble over things that you would never stumble over during the day simply because you can see. You can see more clearly. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you guys would see more clearly, if you would see like you're in the daytime, then you wouldn't have these questions and these problems that you're coming to me with. Like you wouldn't be so concerned about being stoned because you'd be, you wouldn't be tripping over that because you're walking in the day. You're walking in the light. And after saying these things, he said to them in verse 11, Lazarus, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's falling asleep, he'll recover. <laughs> right? Like, Jesus, if he's sleeping, why are we making a trip to him to wake a man up from his sleep? Like, that, we got better things to do. We got, we got people to feed. We got, you know, whatever. Like, surely there's stuff to do. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's falling asleep, he'll recover. And now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. See, they didn't see the way Jesus did. They, they didn't see this the way Jesus, they didn't see any of this the way Jesus did. See, the disciples, they were, they were working at all cost to not die. Their goal was, hey, Jesus, we can't go to Lazarus because if we do, we'll, we'll die. And, and like my goal in life is to not die. Right, like, like, especially not to die purposefully or like, like, God, I know that that's a situation where I'm gonna die, like I'm staying away from that at all costs. But that was not the way Jesus saw this. Jesus' goal in life was not to not die. Jesus was all about purpose. He was all about doing what God wanted him to do saying what God wanted him to say. Jesus wasn't focused on whether or not I'll die in part because he knew when his time came, he would know it and and, and the Bible Bible prophesied and told him all this stuff. But, But Jesus knew he had purpose and until that purpose was fulfilled, didn't matter what anybody else did. He saw this differently. He also speaks of sleep even though Lazarus was dead and, and we've read this, you know, in, in churches and in this church many times, you know, we talk about, hey, he's not talking about sleep, he's talking about death. But Jesus sees death just like sleep. And what do we know about sleep? What do me and my wife know about sleep that our kids don't know about sleep? Sleep is good. Like, first and foremost, sleep is good. Sleep, you know, it, it is needed. It refreshes you like, like they're, they're they're focused on waking up and resurrecting. But like, if you, you can't wake up, if you don't fall asleep, we know that not only is sleep uh, good and and sleep is needed, but like, I enjoy sleep. (laughs) I don't know. I pray that y'all enjoy sleep because the Bible tells us that we can have sweet sleep. Like I enjoy sleep. Sleep is needed. It's good. I enjoy it. And Jesus sees what we call death in this same way. Here's the other thing about sleep I forgot. For most of us, unless your name is Pastor Priscilla, sleep is really easy to wake up from. <laughs> That's not true. She wakes up for the kids. The, you know, the kids make one little noise somewhere. She, But I'm like, honey, wake up, wake up. Now, if she had the mic, she would reverse this story. (laughs) But for most people, it's easy to wake up from sleep. One little touch, calling your name, and you wake up. Better, refreshed, ready. That's how Jesus sees death. But that's not how we see death. We see death as final, as, as, as sorrowful, as you know, the worst, as difficult, as emotional. Jesus doesn't see it that way. The disciples don't see it that way. Jesus told them plainly that Lazarus has died. In Verse 15, he says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. He's saying, the reason that I waited was really for y'all that you would believe, because if I was there, then I would have healed him before he died. And you know what? Y'all have seen me do that a bunch of times. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to increase your level of understanding and your, your, your perspective and your, your willingness to acknowledge what I'm able to do. And so I am going to wait, not for Lazarus. Lazarus is just asleep. I can wake him up really easy. And it's good for him to be asleep. That's why it says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. That Paul is like, I'm stuck because it's better for me if I just die and go to heaven, but it's better for y'all if I stay. We have to change the way that we see what we call death. And Jesus is changing that. And he's saying, I did this for you disciples so that you would see, so that you would believe for your sake. So Thomas, if you don't remember Thomas, oh, I'm all the way out of time. If you don't remember Thomas, Thomas was, uh, you know, he's called the doubter. Right? He's, he, we remember Thomas as being the one who you know, didn't have the faith, wasn't there with the disciples when Jesus returned and said, I got to see his hole, holes in his hands and in his feet for me to believe and doubting Thomas. That's like a thing outside of church. Why? Because we judge and we remember Thomas on his worst moments. But right here, we don't read about Peter or Paul or any of the disciples. We don't read about anybody saying this except Thomas. Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with them." That if our friend is going to die, we're going to be right there with him. And if we got to die too, we will die too. Why? Because he caught what Jesus was saying. He understood that even if we die, it's just like we're asleep. It'll be better for us. We have to go to sleep to wake up. We have to die to be resurrected. We cannot get to heaven. Uh, (laughs) The disciples couldn't get to heaven without taking their last breath here on earth. And Thomas stands up in inspiration, in boldness, and in faith, and says, if he's going to die, I'm willing to give my life to go with him. That's far from the doubting Thomas that most of us know. And he, he stands up and does that in verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. We get this, we understand this, this is still part of our process today. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Two different responses. Listen, we can judge Mary for not going out to meet Jesus. We can praise Martha for going out to meet Jesus, but here's what I've learned. Dealing with grief, some people just deal with it different ways. I've met so many people that just quickly run to Jesus, run to prayer, run to all of these things. But I've also met people who don't necessarily do that. They have to process. They have to lament. They have to grieve. They have to say, God, why? They have to say, God, I'm hurt. They have to, they have to stay in their house for a little bit to get to that process of healing and wholeness and grief. And sometimes, unfortunately, certain churches will crucify those people and judge those people. As opposed to coming and standing alongside them and allowing them to express their grief and their hurt and their pain and pray for them And be with them and encourage them not to stay in that place, but to keep moving towards God. Because Mary didn't come immediately. Martha goes out to Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So Martha's not even asking for a resurrection right now. She's saying, I just know that one day he'll be resurrected again. She has faith for a resurrection, but not faith for a resurrection right now. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And I think that's a question for us today. Do we believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister, Mary, saying in private, no, we don't, we don't have any record that Jesus told her to do this. The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in her house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, let me pause right here. She does the same thing Martha does. It just takes her a little longer and listen, maybe, maybe it's grief. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, a friend. Maybe it's the loss of a dream. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's a loss of an income. Maybe it's a loss of a relationship. And, and, and there are some of you that, that you're like Martha and you just immediately run to Jesus. Praise God, that is great. Do that. Make sure, though, that it's authentic. There are some of you that take a little longer to get to Jesus. And I would never encourage you to stay away from Jesus. That's ridiculous. But what I am saying is, it may not look the same for you that it does for somebody else. It may not happen in the same timing for you that it happens for somebody else. Somebody else may be able to, to just immediately praise God and lift their hands and go into worship and, 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 and cast all of that care and release all of that pain, and they may be able to genuinely, authentically do that, but you may not be able to. You may need to Express some things. The danger is staying in that house, staying in that place of expression and complaint and hurt and pain. You, 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 you go there, but then you go out of there. You, you go there so you can lament and you can be honest and genuine and authentic with God, but then you move towards God. At some point, you begin to, to, to get out of that house and run to Jesus. Even in your lamenting, even in your complaining, even in your expressing to God your hurt and your pain, you do it to God first, even if you gotta stay in your house. And then you move to running to him. She did the same thing. It just took her a little longer. Now, now, in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then here's the verse that we all know. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept, he's he's crying, he's emotional, he's lamenting, he's with them. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And listen, let me tell you something, there's always gonna be people that say, see, he got it right. And others that are like, see, he got it wrong. So then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Now, 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 oh, okay. Jesus didn't have to do this, but he requires them to go with him, take him to the tomb, to the place of death, to the place of pain, to the place of hurt, to the place of fear, to this emotional place of grief. And I believe that Jesus wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to face with him the place of lack, loss, pain, grief, difficulty. He wants us to take him to that tomb in our own lives of whatever it is that we've lost, whatever the dreams are, whatever the aspirations, whatever the the, the grief and the hurt and the fears. He, He doesn't want us to stay away from it and act like it's not there. He says, take me to the tomb. And when he gets to the tomb, there's a stone that's rolled in front of it, that's keeping it enclosed, keeping it permanent so nobody can go in. Definitely nobody can come out. And Jesus, I got to just, I got to summarize it for you. Jesus asked them to roll away that stone, which is an act of faith, which is an act of obedience. They have to come to that place that's hurt them so bad, that has them all weeping, and they have to face it. And then they have to take an act of faith and obedience and do something And remove that stone. Open up the opportunity for the miraculous. Open up the opportunity for the power of God to work. They have to do that. Had they not rolled away the stone, Jesus would not have commanded Lazarus to come out. And go back and read the rest. Jesus commands Lazarus to come out. Why does he command? He commands because, number one, it was for the glory of God. But number two, it was because they had taken the steps to allow him to command. If they wouldn't have taken him to the tomb, if they wouldn't have faced it, he wouldn't have been able to command. If they wouldn't have removed the stone, we have every reason to believe that he wouldn't have done it on his own and he wouldn't have commanded Lazarus. He would have just allowed Lazarus to sleep and go to heaven and he would have been resurrected on the day when we're all resurrected. And, And listen, Mary and Martha, they didn't have enough faith. Their faith was only for the resurrection one day. They weren't believing God for this very moment. They had faith like a mustard seed. And it was only after their faith, even though it wasn't enough, and their obedience that Jesus commanded. And when Jesus calls out and commands to Lazarus, then Lazarus comes out of the tomb he, he's resurrected, which is amazing and powerful. One of the greatest stories in all of the scriptures. Reminds us a lot of Jesus. But one of the main differences is when Lazarus comes out, go back and read it. It says that he was still bound and tied up. And he needed somebody else to untie him for him to live freely outside of that cave. See, the resurrection in our lives is not just about bringing our loved ones back to life. This is about God having the power and the ability to see sleep when we see death, to bring back purpose, to bring back dreams, to bring back plans that he has for our lives, to bring back uh, 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 joy into our heart and love into our heart. But it won't just happen on our own. And honestly, it won't just happen with Jesus. It's going to require us facing those difficult places, those tombs in our lives. It's going to require us hearing what God says and having enough faith to move away that stone, whatever it may be in our lives. And when we do that, it will allow Jesus to command those things to come back and be resurrected and be what God has called them to be. And then it will also require other people, the Marys and the Marthas praying for us, taking us to Jesus and the other people untying us so that we can be whole and live just like God. God wanted us to live. You need those people, but you also need to be those people. You need to be those people that take others to Jesus, take them to the place where Jesus can, 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 can speak to them. And maybe you need to roll away stones. Maybe you need to unbind and maybe you need to help in those ways, or maybe you just need to be the Marys and Marthas that pray for them. But this is not just about us. The resurrection and the power of resurrection is not just for us. Yes, if we believe in Jesus, he will resurrect all of us and we will live forever. Just like he said here and multiple times. But we also need to be people that help others be resurrected spiritually, emotionally, financially, and maybe even physically. Let's learn the lessons of Lazarus. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.